Kia ora, my name is Mark Easterbrook and you're listening to Going West Audio. For your enjoyment, education and inspiration, we've opened up our archives, queued up the tapes and unearthed the best oratory, discussion and performance from 25 years of the Going West Writers' Festival. In this episode, the man who ate Lincoln Road, writer Steve Braunius takes food critic Jesse Mulligan on a journey down Henderson's Takeaway Mile. Hello, good afternoon. Nice to see you all. Hope you've been having a uh, lovely day in this beautiful environment, surrounded by books and smart people and writers and new ideas. Um, Steve Braunius, as well as being a tremendously popular for readers, is, uh, I'd describe him as a writer's writer. The rest of us who write are in awe of what he does, and when he writes something really good, as he often does, the best that the rest of us can do is retweet a link to it and hope we get some credit by association. (laughs) He can write about anything. He can write about politics and birds and crime and celebrities and travel. I don't think anyone else in New Zealand would dare try and cover that much ground, particularly when Steve's there doing it so well already. The best that the rest of us can do is to just pick out one little tiny genre slice and specialise and hope that Steve doesn't have a go at doing it. (laughs) And my specialist subject is eating at Auckland restaurants. (laughs) So you can imagine how disappointed I was when Steve announced his latest project to eat at every food outlet on Lincoln Road (laughs) and post a short review of each experience. He's done a beautiful job of it. And as usual, the best I can do is try and get a bit of reflected glory by showing up at a book festival to ask him questions. Please welcome the man who ate Lincoln Road. Uh, it's a tremendously entertaining book. If you haven't bought a copy already, if you haven't read it, please buy one today. Steve will be signing copies of it at the end of the session. And I wondered if you might read us a piece of it so people who haven't got to it yet can get a sense of what it's all about. Do you want me to do that immediately? Yes, please. Uh, well, uh, this one is... Uh, it, it ought to be called Chapter 49, but... Uh, We don't have chapter headings in this book. It's just called Food Joint 49 because this is a saga of the 55 food joints that I attempted to eat at on Lincoln Road during the year. Uh, So Food Joint 49, it was coming towards the end of that epic journey and I came to Valentine's. The man who ate Lincoln Road sat by himself on Wednesday in the pretty vacant lot of Valentine's. I took a corner table and that made me feel even more lonely and, let's be frank about it, pathetic. It seats maybe 100 people. Nine people were at lunch and that included two babies. (laughs) The manager on duty, a large, rather gloomy Indian fellow, moved ponderously in his kitchen whites. There were no other staff. The food in the buffet trays seemed kind of jaded. I looked out onto a view of a car park in the warehouse and I thought, I am in hell. (laughs) I plodded around the buffet trays and piled my plate with worryingly brown pieces of roast pork, wilted lettuce, dry chips, and stiff clumps of white rice. The buffet lunch is $15.90 and all you can eat, but there wasn't much that I wanted to eat. (laughs) 
I passed on the Greek salad and the egg salad and the creamy potato salad, which had pieces of celery on top of it. Alone at my table on the corner, I was a loser picking at the bland meat. The music didn't help. How great thou art, yelled Howard Morrison. <laughs> I needed cheering up, so I went and had a chat with the other solitary diner. Manu Dunwoody, 42, from Henderson, was in terrific spirits. She had just polished off her main meal and was about, was about to attack the dessert trays. Ooh, she said, I love it here. It's a bit special, isn't it? I come here with my brother on my birthday. I've been here ten times. Her surname, she explained, was Scottish. I'm Maori. They adopted me, she said. I asked her to rate Valentine's out of ten. She gave it serious thought and then finally said, nine. <laughs> it would have been ten, but they didn't have any muscles today. Ooh, she said, I love me muscles. Her happiness was like a lesson that I wanted to learn. The best way to go about that, I figured, was to eat more. I piled my plate a second time with more pork and fries and roast potatoes, also quite a bit of curry chicken, and then I emptied a sachet of salt over it, and actually it was delicious. <laughs> Pale sunlight softened the view of the warehouse. Like a river flows surely to the sea, Alva sang, darling, so it goes. Love was in the air. An old couple came in. He wore a loud Hawaiian shirt. She wore a black beanie and held on to a walker. I live in Amberwood Rest Home on Don Buck Road, said Barbara Wallace, 75. This is Barry. He's 87. It's his birthday. I said, happy birthday. She said, he can't hear you. <laughs> He wore his silver hair long. He was quite agile and he moved with a certain grace. Barbara said, we met last November, November 19. We went to Green Lane Hospital for eye operations and we've been together ever since. <laughs> he gave the thumbs up. She said, I've written three books. One is about my life. It's called I, Barbara. <laughs> Some of it is very sad, she said. I married three times and each of them belted me up. My second husband, I came home one day and he was in bed with three women, naked. I ran to the car but he caught me and he punched my face so bad. But Barry, she said, Barry's very kind and gentle and he's always giving me things. I said, is it love? She said, I'm sure it is. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Barry gave the thumbs up again. Mm. She said, I write him letters. I said, what do you write? She looked Barry in the eyes, leaned closer and said, what kind of things do I write to you? He said, nice things. <laughs> Their love story followed me to the dessert tray where I piled my bowl with chocolate cake, chocolate log, a chocolate brownie, chocolate mousse, strawberry jelly, a green marshmallow with coconut icing and raspberry jelly. It was a continent of sweetness, a whole planet, and I explored every bit of it, and then I went back for more. <laughs> Everything was good. I'll be there, sang Freddie Fender, before the next teardrop falls. The guitar solo, that sharp, ringing bell, filled the room. 
I looked over at Barry and Barbara. They were laughing. You didn't tell us what the rating was. Um, nine. It would have been ten, but they didn't have muscles. <laughs> As I recall, that wasn't your first attempt to go to Valentine's. Did you try and go on your birthday? <clears throat> yes, yes. I saw the, 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 the famous sign, eat free on your birthday. And uh, so phoned up in great delight on June the 20th uh, and was bitterly disappointed by the asterisks which was conditions may apply. <laughs> they were very severe conditions. Basically, they meant there was no free birthday dinner. Uh, but the saddest thing of all is that uh, subsequent to all this, uh, Valentine's has closed, leaving a, a kind of an abyss on Lincoln Road, a hole <laughs> as big as Stephen Joyce's <laughs> mirage. <laughs> There's been a couple of places closed since your book. I wondered if... <laughs> but to be fair, we can't really blame you because this, the writing was on the wall um, in at least two of those places. I think you had maybe the last meal at, at a function centre and I think I recall there was a burger place that you went into where things... The guy was quite optimistic but you could tell things weren't going to last long. Yeah, the function place was Langton's on Lincoln, and um, I just got in, I think, the second to last day, and I was really glad that I did because um, every every sort of footstep I was taking along Lincoln Road was a... Uh, you were retracing the past, really. Um, some of you may recall uh, Lincoln Road before it became the... Um, Lincoln Road that Bob Harvey created. <laughs> Greetings, Bob. I should uh, say this has already been partially litigated in the green room ahead of the session. <laughs> uh, I mean, it used to be, uh, it used to be a, a, a paradise. I've seen photographs of it. It was quite amazing. It was um, cherry blossom from end to end this time of year. It was orchards and grapevines and terribly beautiful. And Langton's on Langham was pretty much the last kind of link to that past. Uh, there was a, it was built on a vineyard and that was sold and it's still, it's still vacant as we speak. Uh, because indeed, you know, when I, when I began this journey, uh, literally, uh, I took a day to go up to Lincoln Road and count how many places there were and there were 55. But uh, on the way to doing that, I went past the, uh, would have been, I guess, the Henderson Historical Society. They've got rooms down near the uh, West Mall, between the mall and the police station, which perhaps is significant, I don't know. <laughs> and I, I uh, explored some of the history of Lincoln Road there and discovered what a sort of a, a paradise it was and that it was New Zealand's, or Auckland's certainly, fruit bowl. So yeah, it was, it was sad and moving to experience this kind of last link with uh, the Lincoln Road that it had been. Um, and what it has become, uh, a nice metaphor for that was this character who Jesse is referring to. Uh, Grant was his name, and he set up an enterprise called Mr. Burger. 
So he became the latest food joint on the street. And uh, I mean, 55 and three kilometers, that's a lot of food joints. And it was kind of, it had a kind of a um, Hollywood Boulevard feeling about it, you know. Uh, people come to Los Angeles to be famous. People came to Lincoln Road to make money out of bad food. And uh, granted, Mr. Berger was the latest guy to try his luck, and it really didn't work out. It was a, uh, a pitiful story. He didn't know what he was doing. Uh, I did my best. I gave it a very good review at the time. And indeed, he told me glowingly a, a few weeks later that a gang of youths came out from Mount Eden especially. Uh, they'd been out on Friday night. They couldn't find it. Remarkably, they came back on Saturday night and they found it and they sat there for an hour. I said, wow. He said, yeah, it was really good to have three people in the restaurant. Uh, but yeah, he, he went under. Uh, there's some uh, bad rumours about the circumstances of that. But... Um, was he the one with the TV bracket on the wall? Yes, that's right. Uh, Jesse, there was a, uh, a tan line on the wall of where a television used to be. Uh, he got... Uh, the back doors, or the front doors, got rammed by uh, criminals uh, on the first day, and they grabbed the flat screen off the wall. And he went to see the cops, and they basically said, oh, you're a fool. This is Lincoln Road. What are you playing at, man? <laughs> so he never replaced it, mm. and it made the place look even emptier and more deserted. It was very, very sad. I mean, the thing is, you know, uh, obviously I did uh, this journey in, in high spirits, and a lot of it was fun, and a lot of it was comedy. But people's lives are at stake here, or their livelihoods. Uh, there was real life going on the entire time, and um, you know you'd have to be dense not to pay respect to that and to appreciate a lot of the hard work that was going in uh, to Lincoln Road every single day. Why did you? Why? <laughs> why did you do it? Why yeah. did you want to do it? Uh, well, I. Uh, well, uh, it's, a book about, it's a book about West Auckland, I suppose. So that this is why I was so keen uh, to be at Going West. And may I just say, uh, I'm really quite grateful about this fire in Titarangi forcing us to come to this venue. This is brilliant. I say to Going West, I say unto you, hold it here every year. <laughs> Henderson's the best. Thank you. I moved to Tiata too, and I very quickly found myself on Lincoln Road a hell of a lot for various reasons. Um, we seemed to be repeatedly there at the A&E because our daughter kept breaking her delicate bones in one mishap or another. So we were there, and one noticed how busy it was. In fact, as I found out, it's the second busiest stretch of road in New Zealand. And I kept thinking about this and how how strangely exciting it was to be on Lincoln Road. And it wasn't as though I was willing our daughter to break her delicate bones or anything, but I wasn't disappointed either at some deep and horrible level. 
that it gave us an opportunity to go back to Lincoln Road, where I would inevitably, while she was seeing some quack or other, go over to McDonald's or Nando's or, or, or Sal's Pizza and fill my face. And with all these people there, I kept thinking, something's going on, you know? There's, there's a story which is telling us about life in Auckland in the early 21st century, that there are so many people here, 45,000 cars a day, every day, Monday to Sunday, every single day. Why are they here? What's going on? What is the common experience? And of course it was staring at me in the face, and it took me literally about four years to realize that it was food. And that all these, the, a great number of these 45,000 motorists were stopping to fill their faces. I thought, what would it be like to experience that in a calendar year? And the name of the series came to me in a flash, The Man Who Ate Lincoln Road. And yeah, so I, I, I saw it as a sociological document. I thought of it as a hugely fun thing to do and uh, something that would um, be uh, beneficial, I thought, uh, for the Herald. But um, to my shock and amazement, uh, it, uh, many of the uh, section editors were dead against it. And uh, the truth is that I found their continued no to the idea exciting. <laughs> <laughs> now, you can always rely on a failure of imagination in the media, but this was special. This was saying that here was a blazingly original idea and that I simply must do it. So uh, finally, uh, a wonderful woman called Jackie Lotes, uh, who was the editor of an online section of the paper, said, yeah, I, I will take it. Um, she said, I'm not giving you a cent in expenses. I said, you're on. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I did that. And uh, for the whole of that year, last year, I traipsed along the three kilometres of Lincoln Road, eating and meeting, uh, you know, uh, interviewing people who I'd never seen before. Um, this definition that I carry around with me of journalism, that it's basically the, the practice of approaching complete strangers and asking them intimate questions about their lives, uh, was very much the working principle. Uh, behind Lincoln Road, so I'd be talking to, as well as the shopkeepers, uh, customers who were there, and they, you know, they didn't come from all walks of life, they came from probably about two. <laughs> <laughs> I met people from two walks of life. Yes, <laughs> but they, they were great, you know, and, and you know, one of the uh, principal uh, pleasures and profound satisfactions, I suppose, that I found in journalism is the continued revelation of the goodness of people and the way people are so happy to talk to somebody mm. who they've never met before and talk to them intimately and talk to them about what's real in their lives. And I, I think you saw, maybe you saw that with uh, the Ballad of Barbara and Barry and the uh, love story at Valentine's. Um, I don't 
want to ask you to give away your tricks, but did you approach them like you were just another punter and they're having dinner, or did you say, hi, I'm Steve, I'm doing this series, can I ask you a few questions? Uh, it, did be, it did begin like that. Um, uh, despite the, uh, the Herald's reluctance to carry this, it very quickly sort of um, became quite popular. And, uh, you know, I would just sort of approach whichever uh, food joint that I felt like. It was on a whim uh, that particular week, and would go on, go in, and quite commonly the the the, the uh, shop owner, the store owner, would say, "Oh my God, it's the man who ate Lincoln Road." <laughs> and indeed, this this character uh, took on a kind of a life of his own. Um, I've been sort of you know used to over the years because. Um, Travelling around the country, because uh, I have my photo in the paper, you know, people coming up to me and saying, oh, are you Steve Brawnius? I mean, you know, Jesse, you might know a little bit about that experience, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that stopped for about 18 months, and people would become um, going, oh, my God, it's the man who ate Lincoln Road. <laughs> so I'm not Steve, actually. But, um, and and uh, the other thing I felt quite fetching about that is that... Uh, uh, twice, uh, at least twice, people said to me, um, it's the man who ate Lincoln Road, you're a long way from Lincoln Road. Now that was fair when I heard it uh, last year uh, on a trip to Invercargill. <laughs> but it felt strangely exotic to hear it from a man in Mount Eden. <laughs> 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 yeah, so no, I, I just went in and... and uh, uh, because of the photo in the paper, uh, a lot of the customers were going, oh, it's the man who ate Lincoln Road, fantastic, you know. And uh, they were, people were real nice about it. Because sometimes, you know, I write, re I write restaurant reviews um, in the Herald and sometimes I usually go out with someone else just so there's something to talk about, really. I have tried eating by myself before and you sit there for an hour and it all goes really quickly and nothing much happens and you go home and you've got to try and turn it into a story. So I wonder if you ever felt that you were forced to sort of drum up a bit of social interaction or go looking for things if you thought, gee, I'm not going to be able to spin 800 words out of this, or whatever it was. No, uh, no, I think... Uh, that's never really a problem for you because you find the fun and when yeah, nothing happens. I don't, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I, 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 I find it a sin to regard... Uh, the assignments that I send myself on or the stories that I endeavour to cover, uh, I find it a sin to think of them and the people who I talk to and what happens as um, material. Mm -hmm. uh, you hear writers and journalists who talk about that word and I just want to punch them in the fucking face, <laughs> frankly. It's like, this is life. You can't reduce it to the word material. Uh, and indeed, you know... Uh, when I finished this, this whole project, and it came to summertime, and I thought, you know, by jingo, um, the, the series collected and edited and rewritten and reshaped might make a good book. So I gathered them all together on the screen and, and had a read, and it did indeed need quite a bit of reworking uh, to form into a narrative and so forth. It took about another four weeks, I guess. But when I read them straight through, um, I, found it, uh, I found it remarkable that um, a story, you know, had accidentally sort of unfolded uh, and it involved or it included uh, a family tragedy, uh, the death of my brother, and I wrote about that uh, very directly uh, in one of the uh, visits 
several of the visits, actually, uh, to Lincoln Road. Um, and yet, at, at, you know, at no time did I regard that uh, terrible thing, that real sad thing, uh, which is still, you know, affecting our family as, as material. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure. I felt any kind of um, need to 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 drum up interest. Uh, most of the time, I was by myself. Uh, the man who ate Lincoln Road is a lone wolf. A uh, few of the times, I would go with my daughter and her uh, little ten-year-old pal. Um, and many times I avoided going with uh, friends who wanted to come out with me, you know, to, to be on this journey, and I would come up with terrible excuses. Um, and I didn't really want to go out with anybody. Uh, I see that that's um, not entirely uh, your practice, is it? Did, didn't, didn't you go out to Chico's with um, a friend called Ben? Is, is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's him now. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, do you, you want to talk about Chico's now, or do you want to come back? To I think we should talk about Chico's. Okay. Would you like to? Would you like to begin by reading your experience of it, or? Oh no, 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 no. Let's uh, let, let's talk it out. Okay. So I, it's very difficult as a weekly restaurant reviewer for the Herald to. People are often saying you should get out of the city, but then you get out of the city and it's terrible, and you, you write a terrible review of somewhere in Howick and everyone's angry at you for a different reason. So when I heard that there was this great uh, restaurant in Henderson, Lincoln Road, called Chico's, I went out there and uh, took my comedian friend, we went for lunch and it was lovely, Filipino chef I think, doing really fancy things, taking sort of a, a dish that you might know well, a nazi goreng and reinventing it. Lots and lots of food on the plate. He'd come out and chat to you about what he was doing, this and that. His assistant chef had won some international competition, had this massive trophy on the bench, and so I was very happy to give it a, a great review in, uh, in the Herald. I can't remember what I gave it, maybe like a, an 8 out of 10 or something. It's about as good as you get outside of Ponsonby Road. And so... <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just winding you up. I'm winding you up. I'm winding you up. And, uh, and, and so it was hopefully did a good job by sending people to Chico's and hopefully did some good business for them. Now I was alarmed to start hearing rumours that somebody else had reviewed, reviewed them and given them a very bad review, and then I heard that it was Steve Braunius, and so <laughs> I was pretty interested to read his column. It's true that I gave the, the restaurant a very poor review, but more to the point, what Jesse's trying to get at is that I gave him a very poor review, <laughs> too. Um, I mean, this is the sort of character, if I'd met him on Ponsonby Road last year, he would have gone, it's the man who ate Lincoln Road, you're a long way from home. <laughs> you should read his review, it's a classic, it's like a man... Here I am, reporting live from Cairo. <laughs> Lincoln Road, I don't know if they speak English. What are their customs? What's their heritage? This is all bewildering. Oh look, Nazi goring. And it wasn't any kind of Nazi goring that you would get at uh, Shen's Takeaways or any of the other fine providers of classic Nazi goring. 
along uh, Lincoln Road. Uh, it was horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. And um, no, I, I sat there seething with rage at the, uh, at the cultural damage that this guy had inflicted by trying to tell readers, uh, abusing the trust that readers put in him, that of all the places on Lincoln Road, this was the one to come to. And indeed, you know, it underlined um, the central sort of tenet or, or message, I suppose, of this journey to 55 uh, food joints in, in Lincoln Road. We're talking the, the vast majority of these 55 are franchises. It's McDonald's, it's Burger King, it's Nando's, it's Sal's, it's Pizza Hut. Um, these are the kind of places which inspired a story in the Herald on Sunday a couple of years ago to dub Lincoln Road Heart Attack Alley. And I interviewed uh, some devil's spawn, i.e. a nutritionist, <laughs> to spout dreadful rubbish about obesity and other kind of frightening statistics. In fact, why do these places prosper? Because it's good food. This is no mystery. They're real nice. This is real good food we're talking about. And the other thing that I, I, I felt uh, that I, I mean, I already knew that. But what, what, I, what I, I found to my great um, joy, I suppose, was uh, the feeling in these places. And that McDonald's in particular, but you could name any of them, they were great family gatherings, full of happy families, gathered together to eat a Big Mac, dripping with processed cheese and other and various statistics which are bad for us, having a real good time. And they were laughing and they were being together. And indeed, I think just after I finished the series, there was a uh, really quite moving story in The Guardian uh, which wrote about how McDonald's is in, in, in London in particular had become a new kind of uh, community centre, uh, especially for elderly, um, who didn't feel at home, who, who had no facilities for them to get together and be with other people. And uh, this was the case with McDonald's in London, that people were coming together and they're sitting around having a pretty cheap cup of coffee because, let's face it, it's very affordable food, uh, unlike Chico's here, uh, <laughs> which our, our friend from Ponsonby was more than happy to, you know, cough up for. And... and, and you know, if you don't see it as so obviously at McDonald's in uh, Auckland or in Lincoln Road or anywhere, what, where you will see it ob most obviously, um, and we've all seen this, is um, in shopping malls. Those great big comfy rest stops that they have. People are going there just to sit there all day to have people around them. And it's really quite moving, actually, you know. And you, you obviously you would see it at West City. But you see it in, you know, various sort of slightly fancier malls like Sylvia Park. And people are going there for the day and they're packing their thermos, you know, and it's, it's a kind of a community centre. Can I say after Steve's column about Chico's, 
was published. Sorry, point of clarification. Were they always online or did they move into the paper? I thought they might have moved onto the hard copy at some point. Uh, every about every ten or okay. ten or twenty, I, I did a special right. uh, long feature in the in the paper okay. uh, when it was allowed to be printed uh, on newsprint. Yeah. Okay. So when um, when the Chico's one was published, wherever it was published, I was on a plane and I landed and I had three missed calls <laughs> and voicemails, which you never get these days. And so I checked the voicemail in the taxi, and it was the manager of Chico's, and he said, Jesse. A journalist from the Herald has written some terrible, terrible things about the restaurant. I would like to invite you to a brainstorm with my lawyer this Saturday, and we'll spend a couple of hours <laughs> working out what we can do about this. <laughs> I didn't know the guy. I don't know how he got my mobile number, but he was pretty keen that I come in and we brainstorm ways to take you to court for slander or something. Did you ever hear from them or from your editor or...? I get the feeling you're about to reach into your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> you were served. Mm. Uh, no, I, I, I never did. Uh, I heard from a couple of other uh, operations. Uh, one in particular was, uh, was, was incandescent with rage. Mm. And indeed, when it came to the... Uh, it, it, got, it got pulled uh, from the online oh, okay. uh, paper pretty smartly. Such was the extent and depth of this chap's legal threats. And so, indeed, when I came to, uh, uh, you know, include that particular chapter or food joint in the book, uh, I rewrote it. <laughs> <laughs> but the tone certainly remained the same. Uh... You are a very well-read person. Can you tell us, is there any, are there any parallels with this journey in literary history? Oh, well... Uh, Did you have anything in mind as you embarked on it? Not, so, not anything specific, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I like the question because uh, you often, I'm often sort of thinking in, in, in genres and traditions and, you know, where, do, where does such and such fit, you know, or does it fit at mm. all? And uh, I did a lot of thinking during this journey that what this was was uh, something called, you know, quest literature. Mm. Um, somebody was on a journey. They didn't know what was going to happen. And they were looking for something. What were they looking for? Were they looking for um, a kind of a wisdom were they looking for a kind of an understanding? And that's exactly what I was on. I was on a, uh, a journey of, of understanding. I wanted to experience Auckland from inside it, you know. Uh, a city marches on its stomach. Mm -hmm. This is the people's food that I was writing about. So what are we eating? And who's eating it? Who's at Valentine's? Who's at Burger Fuel? Who's, you know, who are these people? And so, yeah, that, that, was the, um, that was the quest. And very early on, too, I became... Um, I began thinking about this idea that uh, all quests... Uh, quests are basically metaphors for life. It's your journey on this planet and your limited amount of years. And how does each life end and how does each quest end? It ends in death. And I became, in no particular gloomy or melancholic way, but I became quite concerned with the idea of my own death 
and that I was going to be uh, the man who, try, who, who, who wanted to eat Lincoln Road and died trying, <laughs> and that something was going to happen to me. And um, I was terribly, terribly wrong, and it happened to my brother Paul. Mm. Um, but yeah, that did not escape me, that, that um, this quest which had a kind of a death written all over it came to pass. We'll open it up to questions in a moment. I just wanted to mention the other literary figure who you were partly indebted to is David Foster Wallace. Oh, yeah, 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 David Foster Wallace, uh, a chap who was a, basically a genius with every breath that he took, uh, an American writer who took his own life, uh, who wrote uh, highly regarded and completely unreadable novels. <laughs> uh, Have you had a go at Infinite Jest? Oh, God, no, God, no. No, I'd probably die trying. Hmm. Uh, but fortunately, he wrote a, a, a number of um, very long non-fiction pieces, and he created this, this motif, I suppose, uh, throughout his non-fiction of footnotes, very, very long footnotes. And they were kind of like alternative narratives. Hmm. And to the extent that you almost didn't want to read the main piece, you wanted to read these footnotes in incredibly small type. And just so intellectually exciting that you could have two stories going at the same time. Uh, they weren't parenthetical. They weren't asides. They were just something completely different um, to the story that was going on. And I absolutely loved that. And when I, you know, came to the end of this this series in real time at the end of last year, and I looked about looked to uh, writing this as a book. I realised that there were a lot of other things that I had wanted to say, and they didn't, they didn't fit into the main commentary. It wasn't just a matter of shoehorning them in. Um, and I thought, well, I will have footnotes, and I will investigate the possibility of making them in a point size almost impossible <laughs> to read. No, not really, but um, they're just normal footnote uh, size. And the other thing that I really wanted, by the way, is that... Um, I've always wanted, this is my 10th book, I've always wanted an index. Mm -hmm. So uh, I found New Zealand's leading index stylist, a woman called Diane, who lives in Hamilton. Wow. Uh, she did it for a, a reduced rate, I think $200, $400 or something. And she did this magnificent uh, index uh, in this book. It's my pride and joy. <laughs> Mulligan, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> 162, 163, 171. <laughs> she hasn't referenced the part very early on where you say that you hate food critics. <laughs> um, before we go, questions. Your favourite David Foster Wallace essay, if people wanted to go have a look. Mine is there's one called Roger Federer as Religious Experience, which is um, David Foster Wallace was a, was a teenage test, uh, tennis prodigy, and so he writes about sitting on the couch and watching Roger... Federer and how wonderful it is. Uh, I was masterpiece uh, to sort of a conservative uh, point of view, but it would be the one that I enjoy the most, uh, as long, along with all his other readers. It's a uh, very long piece about going on a cruise ship, yes, and it has the uh, terrific title of uh, a supposedly fun thing that I'll never do again. <laughs> 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 Any questions?
to Steve. Yeah, uh, one in the front, then we'll go five rows back. Hello. Do you have any, oh, sorry, Steve. Do you have any plans for a sequel to Lincoln Road? What about Ponsonby Road, for example? <laughs> Wouldn't last two minutes on Ponsonby. <laughs> My friend has answered for me. I wouldn't last two minutes. Uh, it's a very good question, madam, and I'm... Uh, I met this uh, questionnaire uh, earlier today, uh, just before the session, and I was moved when she said her and her good husband went to Nando's in Lincoln Road for lunch just before this <laughs> event. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, down the back there. Hi. Uh, hi. I was just um, wondering uh, how much you thought uh, West Auckland differs from the, west, uh, from the rest of Auckland, um, as kind of epitomised by Lincoln Road. And it's always struck me that West Auckland's more like the rest of New Zealand than any other part of Auckland. I wonder if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, uh, West Auckland life. Um, well, it's got its um, it's got its uh, place in you know popular culture with outrageous fortune and everything. Um, and indeed, the house where they filmed it is just around the corner from where I live. Um, and all of those things that that series is about, and I'm sure a lot of you watched it, is. Um, you know, I don't know if you'd be surprised or anything, but I'm not here to bag that series. I thought it did convey a certain tone uh, to life out this way. Um, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's fascinating out here. You know, it really is. I I, I feel it's a real privilege catching the uh, the. Uh, they've changed the bus services recently. Tiatu now. Instead of one bus an hour, it's two an hour. <laughs> I don't know myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't drive, so I'm totally reliant on public transport. And uh, used to catch the 048 routinely to Henderson and indeed then catch a connecting bus up to Lincoln Road and would just catch it anyway for something to do. And uh, the 048 uh, had a particular uh, route which was um, enormously dreary. It's now got, uh, as I say, twice an hour. It's now the 131. And uh, it succeeded, uh, with this rerouting, of being even drearier. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, you get a, uh, such a sort of a feeling of West Auckland life and the, um, the unglamorousness of it is very striking. Uh, and the decency of it and the honesty of it and also the creativity of it. Uh, there are a hell of a lot of pockets in New Zealand life which are very creative. He wouldn't know this. He lives in Ponsonby. <laughs> Just there to make money and eat terrible food. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's markedly different, I think, from, um, from the rest of uh, Auckland, you know. And uh, I've got a chapter in here in which I go to... Um, Eve's Pantry, which I write about, uh, it's like, it was like going to East Auckland. It was like a day out in <laughs> Remu era. And, uh, and I write that, you know, with some envy. As much as I love the, the, the West, uh, I, I think at heart, you know, I'm someone who imagines that he lives in, um, you know, Brighton Road, Parnell, or Ladies Mile and St. Helier's. Um, I'm sure you're probably all, all thinking that <laughs> right now. I think we might have time for one, one or two more questions. Uh, yeah, one quick one from Sixer. Sure. Thank you. 
Do you think it says anything about us as West Aucklanders that there's this concentration of those fast food outlets on Lincoln Road? Um, it's just a sort of a, a happy geographical accident. And the uh, vision of our great friend, <laughs> Sir Robert Harvey. And that seems like a good time to uh, say that Steve will be signing books. Would you mind signing my one before you get uh, Oh, absolutely, swaps? absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I, I've been needling uh, Jesse with every opportunity I can in the last three quarters of an hour but he's a, a marvellous fellow and a first-rate broadcaster. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Mulligan. Thank you, Thank you very much. And, and I would just ask you uh, for a, one more round of applause uh, for our guest, who I think you'll agree has been great material, Steve Braunius. <laughs> This has been an archival recording from the Going West Writers' Festival. Thanks for listening.